0: To give something to you and likewise you offer us something may we receive your living water jesus that we may never thirst again and we offer this prayer in your name the father and the son and the holy spirit amen does jesus take the day off like during daylight saving time is he like an hour behind everyone else How is everyone this morning? Good to see you. Well, I was having a couple conversations this week, and it's interesting because the conversations were about how God shows up in unexpected ways in people's lives. And one couple were telling me um, how God showed up for them in a bar in Charlotte, North Carolina. Later on, though, this week, I was talking to a guy that shared that, you know, God shows up for him, showed up for him unexpectedly while he was feeding the homeless, uh, folks experiencing homeless at the um, Coalition for the Homelessness through our gathering ministry, and it seems that God just kind of shows up in unexpected ways, and God also shows up in unexpected times in our lives, in unexpected people, and if we're paying attention, really paying attention, really paying attention, and willing to listen, we too may receive something unexpectedly from God. And that's exactly what our gospel story is really all about today. I'd like to introduce you to a woman, and she's a whole lot like us. In listening to her story, you're going to discover, we'll discover our own story. There's an unexpected person, a woman, A Samaritan in an unexpected time, in the middle of the day, in an unexpected place, a town outside at Jacob's well. And she's encountered and experienced uh, unexpectedly by a person, a male, a Jew. We call him Jesus. And she receives something from God in an unexpected way. This woman has a past. All that she knows in her life is this unending sense of shame, this dissatisfaction, this unsettledness, this uneasiness. She's had five husbands, and each one different than the others, each one offering perhaps security and hope and relationship for life, a better life. But for whatever reason, none of these have worked out. Maybe some left her in her divorce. In that culture, women didn't have a whole lot to say about divorce, too much. And men could just, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, and they're done with them. Maybe some died and left her her alone, you know, and she was all alone. And perhaps for survival's sake now, she's living with a man who isn't her husband. We don't know the real, true, exact circumstances of what led all these Um, for her to have this many husbands but what we do know for certain is that this woman was like you could say that she was a suffering in silence that she was a silent screamer because she had been very vulnerable in her culture and she was ostracized by her community and she carried a great deal of hurt and loneliness and isolation and abandonment and rejection deep down in her heart and she thirsted to be known and loved. And perhaps you've experienced abandonment, or if you've experienced rejection, or you you experienced some sort of loss or hurt in your life, and maybe you've known what it's like to be ostracized by your community. Maybe you know what it's feel like deep down in your heart to experience that rejection. And maybe you know what it's like to thirst to be known and loved. And this is the woman that we meet in our gospel this morning. But then Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, exhausted by his journey. He was sitting by a well, and it was about noon. Now, normally, no good Jew would go into Samaritan territory. Just wouldn't do it. But Jesus is a different Kind of Jew. And Jesus takes a direct route right into Samaria. And when Jesus crosses the border from Judea into this hostile territory of Samaria, he's actually making a very bold statement. And it's a statement that we don't want to miss. It's a statement about who God loves and who God seeks and how far God is willing to go to reach these people. A Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Give me a drink. Makes me wonder as I read this and we gather, what may Jesus be asking from you? What may Jesus need he's looking at you to provide it the Samaritan woman said to him how is it that you a Jew ask me for a drink a woman of Samaria now the animosity between Jews and Samaritan is ancient it's entrenched and it's bitter and so when Jesus makes the Samaritan the hero of the story right in the good Samaritan story he was really making a statement right These two groups disagree about everything that matters. And truth be told, they probably hated each other's guts in many ways. And besides, Jesus is a male, he's a rabbi, and he would not have spoken to a woman in that culture without her father or her husband present. And yet, there he is. Alone, let alone a Samaritan woman, whom a Jew of that day would not have spoken to at all. I mean, as a matter of fact, the disciples, it says in the story we just read, were a little bit, they thought that was kind of a scandal. And yet, here they are, Jesus, thirsty. And this woman, thirsty, at the well known for where lovers meet. You can see that in Genesis, and it's a long story. But this is where they meet. And on this day, Jesus transgresses, I love it, Jesus transgresses and breaks down barriers between people and God, geographical barriers, ethnic barriers, political barriers, social barriers, national barriers, religious barriers, and gender barriers. Anything that gets in the way of people experiencing the grace and the beauty and the love and the mercy of God, anything that gets in the way of two people coming together as those made in the beloved image of God, any barrier, Jesus comes to destroy those and tear them down. And by the way, if you want to follow him, he's asking you to do the same thing. Because there's no boundary. He is unwilling to cross. There's no boundary that God is unwilling to cross in our world to reach us. None. So much so that God becomes human and enters right directly into our world. There's no boundary He is unwilling to cross so that lost, hurting, broken people can experience this reconciling, redeeming love and grace. And likewise, there's no boundary or no barrier that you've constructed around your heart that he's unwilling to cross. There's no boundary or barrier that's been constructed for you that he's unwilling to cross. Whether it's your political boundaries, your religious boundaries, your own make-believe boundaries, whatever boundaries you may think you have, there's no boundary that he's unwilling to cross to reach you. Jesus asked her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty The water I will give will become in them a spring. Notice what he said. It'll be in them, in them, a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And when Jesus is talking about eternal life, he's not talking about getting to heaven when you die. He's talking about life with God in the here and the now and life together in this kingdom that he's been proclaiming. And so life begins here and now. So it makes me wonder when he says... The one who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water I give will never be thirsty. So what well are you drinking from? Where do you go to quench your thirst? What are you thirsting for? We're like, well, Father Rick, I'd like to get a mozo at the Crunch, if you could hurry up with the sermon, right? No, what, what are you drinking for? What well do you go to? What are you thirsting for? Because here's the truth. We all have wells. We all have wells that we frequent in hopes of quenching our thirsty hearts. Day in, day out, year in, year out, we go to the same well, hoping to have our thirsts quenched. We got all kinds of different wells. Like the Samaritan woman, some people's wells are relationship well. You know, we just keep going from one relationship to the next, right? This time, this time I'm going to, whoo, never thirst again. And sure enough, we end up tarzaning from one relationship to the next and the well never quenches our thirst. Some people drink from the well of perfectionism. You know, I'm going to be perfect. And if I can just be perfect, if I can be perfect, if I can be the man, then I will never thirst again. Some people drink from the well, people-pleasing. You know what? I'm going to be so nice and so loving, so kind, so giving to you and everything. I'm going to please you. Just yes, 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 anything you want. And sooner or later, maybe you'll love me. Right? And if you love me, then I'll be okay. Then I won't be thirsty anymore. Some other, some folks like power and control Well. They, they hang out there. They like, elbow each other to get into that well, right? Yeah. But that well often only leads them feeling weak and afraid and in need of more power over others to numb their own fears. Never ultimately satisfies. Some drink from the well of intellect. You know, I'm full, not thirsty, right? So I never have to appear numb. I can be perceived as smart and having it all together. But I walk away feeling like a fraud, right? I walk away always maybe that you're going to find out that I'm not who I claim that I am. Some folks do all kinds of... Well, they drink from the well of resentment. Y'all ever drink from the well of resentment? (laughs) Whoo! That'll leave your soul dry, man. (laughs) They drink from fear. They drink from the well of the pursuit of beauty they drink from the well of work and food and exercise and shopping you name whatever the well is we go to it and we're hoping when we get there that we can drink deeply from that and we'll never thirst again the insidious thing about these wells though is not so much that they're evil or sinful it's just that they don't satisfy ultimately And I think they're unconscious, you know? We've been taught how to go to that well. Just go to that well. Keep going to that well. Sooner or later, it's going to fill you. That's kind of our default settings. That's where we go when we're feeling a little thirsty. But Jesus seems to claim that there's another well. There's another well. A different well. A different kind of well. One, he says, that is his very self. It's the well of Jesus Christ. It's the well that washes us clean. It's the well that soothes us. It's the well that gushes with new life and new possibilities. It's the one well that when you drink from it, that you will never thirst again. It's the well that frees us and washes away the mindsets and the lifestyles and the behaviors that keeps our souls parched and dehydrated. And according to Jesus, not me, take it up with Jesus if you don't like this, it's the only well that will quench your soul forever. And Jesus said, he'll put it in you. The woman looks at him and says, "Sir, give me this water." You know, so often people have come thirsty, parched by life, hurt, shamed, broken, you name it, and we've offered them the religious well, the good behavior well, the other kind of well, and it leaves them thirsty. well that Jesus is talking about is different this well you'll never thirst again and so I ask have you ever said to Jesus who meets you alone at the well for that living water Have you said, sir, give me this water. I want that. Because Jesus didn't say it's the water of the Episcopal Church. And I love the Episcopal Church. He didn't say it's the water of this denomination or that denomination. He didn't say that. He said, I am this living. And if you drink of this, you'll never thirst again. I want that water, sir. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying that I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now, this conversation between Jesus and the woman pivots when he tells her what he knows about her life. Because what Jesus is saying is, he sees the whole of her. He sees the past, the present, the future. He knows who she's been. He knows what she yearns for. He knows how she hurts. She knows, he knows where she's been wounded. She know, he knows everything. He knows where she's wounded others. And he also sees something else. And he sees all that she may become. He sees all that she may live into. And Jesus names it all. And what's amazing about this, when you encounter Jesus, and this is how you'll know you encounter Jesus, by the way. Because Jesus does it all without shaming, criticizing, or condemning. You have to see this. If you miss this, you're going to miss something. He doesn't shame, condemn, condemn. Or criticize this woman. He sees the woman and he names what's real. He names the woman in a way that makes her feel not judged but loved. Because how are you ever going to give your heart to something that you fear, that's critical of you? You won't. He makes her feel not exposed but shielded, not diminished but restored. See, only the one who loves you knows you as you are and not as you pretend to be. Jesus sees without shame. He has seen her plight of dependence, He has seen her. she exists for him, has worth, has value, has significance. And all of this is a treatment into which she is absolutely unaccustomed. And I will say this to you. If you have never experienced this living water, this love, in a very real way, when you encounter it, you won't hardly be able to resist it because it's so pure and so beautiful and so life giving. You can't say no to it. You want it, right? Jesus sees without shame. And he says, I see you for you you are. And I love you. <laughs> now see me for who I am the only one with whom you can find freedom, love, healing, transformation. Drink of me and live. That's the invitation. That's the gift. And here's what I love about this story. Here's the, my favorite part of this story. And I don't want to go too long for you. It's a joke. We got all day. We got an extra hour this morning, right? <laughs> here's the part of the story that I love. She leaves her water jar behind to live a new life live a different life and to share with others what she's done. I wonder what's holding us back from living in the future that God has prepared for us and for sharing the news for what God has done. I mean, what are the buckets you would like to leave behind? You notice she leaves her bucket. We love our bucket. We love our buckets. We hold on to our buckets. Our buckets are different sizes, different shapes, different colors. But man, we love our buckets. And She leaves her everything that represented to her what sustained life because she now has tasted and experienced that living water. So what's in your bucket? How many buckets are you carrying with you this morning? See, Jesus says there's another well, one that promises life, one by which we're known and loved. So drop your bucket and come to the well of Christ's life, Christ's love, Christ's presence in you. Come to the well that is Christ himself and drink deeply. Drink deeply until you become one with this living water. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash Saint Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn. And therefore, you can never lose.